Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL cornerback Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for college football, the NFL, plus baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, plus your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the state IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA is available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Hi, everyone. Penn State knocks off West Virginia by a score of 38 to 15 to kick off the 2023 season. I'm Tom Hannafin. He's Justin King. We literally met in person for the first time yesterday, and we're coming to you for the first time ever on this platform in person. I'm very excited. Uh, we're in State College, as you can imagine, by all of these things. And yes, that is Justin's Orange Bull jersey from back in 2005, for those of you watching us on YouTube. Uh, this was a very encouraging first effort, Justin, by Penn State football. Uh, there's, there's a lot to extrapolate from this. And like I, I walk away from it when we were talking about it off air, is that this felt very good but it still feels like a team that just doesn't quite know what it's maybe it's offensive identity is altogether. How did you feel? I think I felt the exact same way. I think you hit it on the point where you talked about the identity. I feel like coming out, you know, obviously first, first uh, game for Drew Aller, I loved what we saw from just a fundamental standpoint. I mean, five yards a clip from the running backs. He was efficient, 300 yards passing, um, hitting deep TRCs, one touch guys from Keandre Lambert. But at the same time, there was a flow there was a mix in the flow of the game from the offensive standpoint of like, okay, what is the identity, right? We're getting five yards a clip, but we're passing the ball um, and seeing those different things of that nature. But I mean, I think it's a solid foundation to a week one win. It's funny. Cause we, we were talking about the stats, Aller 21 of 29, 325 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 11.2 yards per completion. That sounds fantastic on paper. It didn't feel like a game where Drew Aller went off for 300 plus and plus yards and three touchdowns, did it? 
No, it didn't. But you got to realize, I mean, the plays that he were com- was completing were chunk plays, right? We're talking like 25-yard-plus plays. Um, and I loved how he was moving in the pocket. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. You wouldn't think, based on those numbers, that's how the game flowed. And I think it was, again, when we talk about the identity, it wasn't, I think, the first series that they came out. was like a nice run plays, getting five yards a clip, and the play-action pass, the deep TRC concept where they crossed out the uh, in the middle of the field and he moved in the pocket and hit um, Keandre with a strike and they turn it up. I think that even showed a level of identity to the running game and like coming off of the play action pass to complete a deep pass. But I don't think there was ever a rhythm of that nature for the rest of the game. So I think that's what we see in a little bit of the inconsistency when you talk about that identity or feeling like it was like a 300 yard game. And then especially on the ground, uh, overall Penn State, 35 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns, 4.2 yards per carry between Singleton and Allen, the two people that most people are going to focus on. Uh, Nick Singleton, 13 carries, 70 yards, 5.4 yards per carry and a touchdown along a 14. Katron Allen, 10 carries, 51 yards, 5.1 per clip, no touchdowns and a long of nine. It just felt like to me, Justin, as a fan, uh, I, I was expecting to see more of the run game. And part of me thinks maybe this is the true offense that Mike Yurcich has wanted to run for a few years now. I could definitely see that. I mean, when you talk about a 23, com- 23 combined carries between the two running backs at five yards plus a clip, you think that there's a concerted effort to either limit the carries or also a focus on getting Drew Aller like, comfortable running their passes, get moving them in the pocket and doing those different things. But with that, like, again, there's not a commitment to one. Like, now we're going to commit and run with our two possible All-American running backs. And it's like, no, we're going to figure out these different aspects and see what the defense gives us. But that lack of identity, um, consistent identity, I think, throughout the game just has people on the edge of their seats. But when we've seen it executed properly, I mean, still supports some points. And that's the thing is that, 38 to 15 in your opening game against a, a Big 12 opponent. And I know you, you and I talked about it in the preview episode. This is a team that did not do fantastic things last year within the conference. They're picked to be dead last within the Big 12 this upcoming year. So I'm not trying to overstate what West Virginia is. And I'm not trying to understate what Penn State did today. It's just something that felt off about it. It didn't feel bad. It just didn't feel like the phenomenal, spectacular, mind-blowing effort that I think a lot of Penn State fans were hoping for. That that 72-yard touchdown to Keandre, that felt like, oh, this is this is exactly what we've been hoping for. 100%. And I think, that, that again, that feeling, I hate to be the dead horse, but when we talk about just the lack of identity of where we're going with it, I think you keep, like, the edge on the seat. It's like when you're going on a long road trip and you know you're almost there. It's like, you're not as anxious. But, like, when you don't know where the ending is, you're like, okay, what's going to happen next? Like, with the unknown of what Drew Aller was and obviously showed a lot of promise and some great things that I like to, for him to grow on the rest of the season. But at the same time, I think that, you know, a lack of giving the running backs, you know, 15 plus carries a piece and seeing that, I mean, maybe one of those, those runs turns into a, a 60 yard carry where we look at the offensive, like, Oh, this is a really prolific thing. So I just think first, first game jitters or first game things to get out the kinks. And even from a, play calling standpoint like we say Mike like this is what his offense wants to operate like I mean he has a lot of weapons and sometimes you have to get the ball to a lot of different people like we only seen I mean two targets on Dante Cephas to transfer in yeah and um yeah I was excited to see McLean and as those other guys coming into the fold so it's an interesting opener I would say 
Keandre, uh, four for 123 yards, uh, 72 of which came on one completion, but two touchdowns. Trey Wallace, seven for 72, long of 18. Malik McLean getting invo- involved, uh, four for 58 and a touchdown late during the game. Liam Clifford, who you and I have sung the praises of, uh, two completions. I I was uh, I'd forgotten that he changed his number from 82 to two, so I'm like, who is two? And I was all right, and they were all getting used to some new things. But Liam Clifford looked like a really reliable slot guy, and almost to the point that Tyler Warren had one catch, no catches for Theo Johnson. You, are you just? And that's nothing against Theo. That's just kind of how the game played out. No, 100%. I mean, just based on what the defense was giving Drew, especially on like the outside floods, the middle floods, and different things of that nature, that second level was covered. And he was hitting, you know, whether it was Keandre on the side or McLean at one time or, or Wallace, it just didn't seem like he was targeting the tight ends or even was just like him staying in the pocket from a standpoint where, you know, a lot of times when you're running crossing concepts that the tight end might sit down in the middle somewhere like that, that wasn't exactly happening today because they had him on the move, right, and different things of that nature. And you would like to see those guys get involved, but at the same time, we're saying I would like to see the running backs get more carries. So it's like it's it's, it's a pick your poison, but at the same time, I think that again, that lack of identity completely being established. I mean, you see like some of the kinks or just some guys not getting the ball in their hands. Right. What did you think about the diamond pistol formation? Oh, I, I I really enjoyed that. That was something that, I mean, back in the day when Green Bay used to run that with Aaron Rodgers called it Green Bay Max, and they used to do a lot of damage out of it because you can do mixed personnels, you can fake, uh, do play-action pass, you can get the quarterback on the run. I, I love those wrinkles into the offense. I mean, it just brings another um, another lever, a level lever for them to pull when they attack defenses. I mean, they scored on the T formation, I think one of the few teams that are using that. And it's just – in the time of college football, I mean, just the, sch- the schematics of it, I love them pulling out something like that for Drew Looking at the rest of the offense, and one of the things that was just kind of a specter over this game news a couple days ago, a friend of the show and somebody who had a, a ton of promise uh, in the game of football, uh, left guard Landon Tangwell having to retire due to medical reasons. Uh, it's ironic for you and I because we literally just had a conversation a number of weeks ago with Journey Brown here on the show. So someone who also had to retire for medical reasons. And it sounded like whatever happened with Lang- Landon, he's still processing it. And, you know, the, the business of football does move on and not without him, but just in a different capacity. And you saw J.B. Nelson slide in there at left guard. Right. And for the most part, the offensive line looked quite solid. And there's been a lot of discussion from James Franklin for a number of years is that they want to cross-train their offensive linemen, is that there's going to be flexibility. You can play guard, you can play some tackle, you can play some center. Norzad, we were expecting there at center. We got Wormley, we got Caden Wallace, we got we know exactly what we were getting with Olu Fashanu. And then it was just a question of what was going to be happening in left guard. Overall, the offensive line, how did you feel about it? Actually, it was, I was encouraged by the offensive line. I mean, especially for the type of plays that they were running. I mean, sometimes they got some leaky pressures and the way Drew, Drew took a couple hits. But other than that, either that or just the way that Mike was calling the offense, like getting Drew on the run and buying some more time. I was impressed by his athleticism and movement in the pocket to create more time. Because even in – there was a lot – like even Olu maybe got a, a cheap sack because he had a great pass block. But, you know, Drew maybe held up one of his – times where he held the ball a little too long, took a sack. And, I mean, one of those leaky ones. But, overall, I would think the offensive line 
did a good job for the first day out. Yeah, and considering that was only a handful of days that we all learned about it publicly, I'm sure the team has been preparing for this for a number of weeks, and it sounds like as much as was happening. Uh, but to see a lot of guys get in there late, and we saw Boper Buell get in the game late as at least a backup quarterback, Trey Potts getting some carries late in the game, which is something you and I had talked about. It was like, hey, and in mop-up duty, and this is no disrespect to Trey Potts, him getting in some uh, plenty of different offensive linemen as well, wide receivers. Uh, it, it seemed like they got a lot of guys in there on offense. When, when you mentioned Aller, there were a couple different plays where in the first half, he looked exactly like I thought he would. There were the, the peaks were high and the, the valleys were not too low, mm-hmm. but you know, one or two plays here and there was like, Hey, you, you should eat that. As opposed to there was one where he just floated over the head of one of his running backs. And I was like, just, just eat that. Don't throw that potentially into traffic. And it just seems like these are going to be learning experiences for him that he got a few of last year, but now you're thrown into the fire as you like to say. No, a hundred percent. I would have been like piggyback off of what you said about the very few of the running back. I thought that was like, one of those situations where he was pretty poised and it was an intentional high throw to kind of throw out of bounds to not take the sack. So even when you think of those type of things like him using his arm talent in a way where you limit the risks or mitigate your risks of like a bad sack or something of that nature. Cause I think there's a, there's something to that. Obviously you don't throw in a pressure. Like he did that in the middle of the field, like a high pass, obviously not, but to the sidelines where somebody's in, in phase, you could just toss it out of bounds into the stands. You save a sack. But at the same time, there were some moments where he were, was holding the ball a little bit too long. But again, first career, first career, you know, start as the as the man, and I mean, you expect that. Last last minute start, by the way, like you know, <laughs> waiting until the last minute to, to <laughs> see who the starter play. was. Uh, just rounding back to the wide receivers, you had mentioned briefly, uh, Dante Cephas, one catch for twenty two yards. Concerning or? about what you expected again we talk about all these different weapons i mean concerning in the fact that i don't know if we've seen them enough in the game right like we saw True. like mclean uh wallace and obviously keandre he was he was i mean as the keandre billing, was very good as the billing as he always built up to be that one touch guy that we have um you would like to see him more but he was efficient in there with that one catch for 22 yards even though um he kind of drop on the on the out right after where it would probably cost them a touchdown, but that would have been a nice, I mean, putting those together have been like two catches for a 30 yard and a touchdown. But even with that, just question like the targets and just the reps. So just seeing as he's working into the offense, but he did look good while he was out there. The one thing that was really encouraging for me uh, looking at the offense as a whole, and again, I don't mean to say this in a way that's negative towards Sean Clifford, but I think most people would say that Drew Aller athletically has more gifts than Sean Clifford. And it was something as simple as seeing, uh, I believe it was Trey Wallace uh, sometime in the third quarter, catches uh, basically a 10 and out that got extended to be about a 13 and out, something like that. And you see just Aller effortlessly flick it. And that's something that for a number of years was not necessarily a guarantee. And then, you know, having played wide receiver, relatively simple route. That's a tough angle altogether to complete that pass. It's a tough throw. Uh, but he makes it look easy at times. And it's something that Penn State fans have not seen in I, – I, I don't remember necessarily the last quarterback who had that type of arm talent at Penn State. And I always say, like, arm talent gets you so far, especially when you're playing high-level football, right? It comes down to decision-making and moxie. And those are things that sometimes are questionable with quarterbacks with big arms because the decision-making is kind of tilted based on – 
their confidence in their arm. And sometimes the moxie is there and that overcompensates for the decision making. But with Drew for his first time and being a high skill set quarterback with an elite arm, I felt like his decision making was actually, I mean, above the line. For Agreed. The, like first day. Like, Agreed. And even some of the times that like, he took some pressure and things of that nature, like I loved how he moved in the pocket, kept his eyes downfield. And again, the arm talent shows up in ways where it's like, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's what you need a big <laughs> that, arm for. <laughs> not, and again, I'm not trying to bag on Sean Clifford, but it's not. It's that's not. what the, the, the upper echelon of what that position can be. Even when we say that Sean Clifford's probably going to start an NFL game, NFL game this year, right? Like, I, I believe he will. He, I guarantee he will this season, at least one. No, and then like even like you talk about the arm talent, like the TRC route or the big crossing route that he hit with um, Keandre on the first long pass. I mean, that was a rope. Him moving away from the pocket to throw it down the field, like it, he made it look routine. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a forty-five yard throw on the ropes to. You know, like, it, like right in the bread basket, right? Andre, not like a high pass, but like a, a bullet where he's moving away, break down a pocket. I mean, really putting things together. Like when Daryl Clark was on the on the podcast talking about what a quarterback needs to do, go through his reads, stay in there, take hits, doing all those different things. He showed that consistently today. Again, he's not the one what necessarily calling plays or doing different things of that nature. So, I mean, I think as the season progresses and the offense continues to mesh, I liked the start of the offense, even though there were times where it was like, it seemed like it was puttering or it was like, okay, what are we exactly doing? <laughs> it, it's trying to find its identity and, really and you hit it. it uh, you, you said that before. And it's something James Franklin has talked about is that this is not the NFL. There is no preseason to kind of work things out. And I, I imagine we're going to see more of this probably until the UMass game. Yeah, because, I mean, especially if you deem yourself being the more talented team, you're still working through things, right? right? Like, you're working through, like, the offensive play calls, understanding what the what right receiver mixtures operate. I mean, we understand got great tight ends, great running backs. Do we, do we feed them the ball 30 times at the beginning of the season when we know we got a gauntlet of a Big Ten matchup and we're, or we're gunning for the playoff? So there's so many different things or just perspectives when you look at that. But the efficiency of the offense, like you said, I think it's a good thing when it feels like, ah, what was happening? You look at the stat sheet, it's like, well, five yards a clip. Well, 300 yards passing. You know, you raise a very good point there is that I don't think you needed either running back to get 20 care. I know like you and I talked I about like on the preview it. episode, you're like, I like to see each guy get 150. I completely agree <laughs> with you. But maybe this was a, a situation where you're such Franklin and company were like, we don't necessarily need that to win this game. And you don't necessarily need a Drew Aller to go completely ballistic offensively. If anything, this was a really good opportunity to see what the potential depth of your wide receiver core was. And also with the change at offensive line, just to see how everybody was going to fare in this sort of situation. I don't know. I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, especially when you're seeing uh, there are a little bit of the defense giving up some run plays and things of that nature. And so, I don't know if that goes into the offensive side of the ball, right? Like, okay, we got to be a little bit more, I mean, conservative on how we approach things. But, I I mean, a lot of middle floods, a lot of outside floods from them, like levels for a go, go against the defense, like easy, easier to read um, past concepts along with Drew Aller being on the move. I think they gave them some freedom to play quarterback a little bit. 
Penn State fans, Smack Apparel has the best gear for talking smack on game day. Head to smackapparel.com today and check out their Let There Be White tee for the whiteout game against Iowa at Beaver Stadium. Also, there's Drink Up, Roar On, Saturdays We Are, and you can still get a Save a Couch Beat WVU shirt. If you're watching this on YouTube, scan the QR code on the screen to take you to the website instantly on your phone. Visit smackapparel.com and use our promo code STATE 10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's S-T-A-T-E-1-0. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10 at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels, pomades, and now body washes. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com. And use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Let's talk about the defense, as you were just mentioning. Defensively, nothing necessarily alarming by any means, uh, but there were some aspects that you just touched on. The run defense was leaky. Leaky. Okay. You know, it's okay. And then uh, not much of a pass rush, but you know, and I talked about this off air is that this was an offense built on tempo and their whole game plan. If they're throwing the ball, the, the idea is to get the ball out in less than two seconds and then it's RPO, it's run pass option. It's trying to move the ball quickly. Uh, any concerns from you in regard? Let's start with the pass rush. Um, the pass rush, not necessarily. Like again, I don't think there were times where they were just sitting back there where you're like, oh, we need a pass rush to get to them. And like you said, it was quick, quick throws. And when it was an RPO, the thing that concerns me are leaky plays and the lack of, excuse me, like pressure or just pressure amongst the line and pushing them back a little bit. I think that lacked in. But guys were running around. I mean, I think you saw a little bit of first game spatial awareness things where a lot of missed tackles, guys running around and, you know, maybe not wrapping up and things of that nature. But you would like to see just more knockback from the defensive line, getting rid of defenders and, you know, stopping stuff at like a one or two yards and not four, five, six. When it came to the uh, rushing attack for West Virginia, overall 40 carries, 146 yards. Two touchdowns, the longest 17, an average of 3.7. That average, that's fantastic. 100%. So that's what I'm saying. You go back to how it looks and what it feels like while you're there, and then go back to the numbers. It's like, well, they played pretty efficient. And then holding Garrett Green to 16 to 27, 162 yards passing, no touchdowns, no picks. Six yards per completion. You and I talked about this again in the preview episode. This is not the offense that we once saw with Geno Smith. This is not the offense we once saw with Will Greer at West Virginia. Uh, and I, I am not even going to remotely put these two in the same universe, but Pat White is probably the closer – that style of offense right. is closer to what you saw here. Uh, no one's going to ever confuse Garrett Green for Pat White. Let's be very honest there. Uh, but at the same time, uh, C.J. Donaldson had a nice game uh, altogether. Uh, I think he had – 18 for 81 and a touchdown. I wouldn't want to tackle a 240-pound dude that many times, and yeah. he got his yards. I didn't realize he was 240, but he did. He did run hard. And I think through that, like he was running through arm tackles and different things of that nature. And I think maybe it was maybe an expectation of us talking about how elite the defense is. Like when we come out and say 3.7 yards, the run defense 
they did their job overall. Like there wasn't any huge plays and different things of that nature. But I mean, I, it's a solid foundation, but still things are correct. So I think that's that's where you want to be week one, to be honest. Lockdown you. How'd you feel about the DBs? I mean, and again, I think the DBs played a, a, a nice game coming out. No, mm -hmm. no touchdowns given up, six yards per catch. I mean, there was one probably one play where um, maybe one explosive play where Johnny Dixon was in like a half a half field type situation and they made a nice little play um, down the rhythm. But outside of that, no touchdown, six yards of catch. <laughs> what more can you ask for? Yeah. What do you do? I mean, after you just watched like a Colorado game where there's 500 yards, you know, everybody's all over the place. <laughs> that was, that was strange. That was really strange. That game. Uh, did it seem like to you West Virginia avoided Kalen King and went after Johnny Dixon more? Because Johnny looked great. So it's not like Johnny got picked on or anything like that. It just seemed like maybe they favored going to his side more often. I definitely feel like they avoided Kalen King. I feel like that was a, a part of the game plan. We're not even going to look on that side of the field. Like they put very few formations to his side of the field. And um, I mean, what else you do? I mean, he's projected to be a top 20 uh 20 draft pick. I mean, 20 pick draft pick. I mean, I'm not saying that right, but first round draft. First round, yeah. Let's just say first round. Thorpe Award, award. I mean, watch winner. I mean, and you watch his the way he plays. He's a he's a type of corner where if a quarterback makes a mistake, he will make you pay. Even from the run game, pass game, short passes, and not that Johnny doesn't, but that's where you attack. A uh, lot of faces in the secondary, which is something that you and I expected. Uh, something I guess I didn't necessarily expect was for KJ Winston to get as much run as he did and looked very good altogether. But when I've discussed it is that there's what feels like what four, maybe five guys you can put in at safety. Man, yeah, they were all running around making plays. You know, Jalen Reed was making some plays. I think Keaton had a really solid Keaton game. was outstanding. Like, very today. timely uh, tackles. I mean, third down, get off the field. I think that's where they kind of showed up in the secondary a lot of times. I mean, even on the run game, they came up with stops when they needed stops, right? So, I mean, I'm holding them to a standard of the elite defense, even when we say, like, leaky yards and things of that nature, but I don't know if maybe one explosive play all day, and I don't even know if it, I can – I don't even know if it was, by the stats, a truly uh, an explosive play. Sure. Was, you know, a 20-yard catch. <laughs> if you're Manny Diaz looking at how the defense said today – this was not Manny emptying the playbook by Absolutely. any means. Absolutely. But if you're Manny, what do you take away from today? Uh, take away that you have a lot of depth, but you just got to make sure we continue to attack up front. I think he tried a little bit of conversation when he's we're sending some corner blitzes, sending Johnny on a quarter bl corner blitz a couple times to, I think, compensate for the run on just them getting a little bit more yards than they expected. Um, but again, having a corner blitz or just some different overload blitzes being your go-to after, you know, some leaky things, like you said, I think he's holding a lot of things back on what he kind of shows. So, I mean, you feel good about this, your defensive showing week one. Oh, absolutely. And that, listen, you got Delaware next week at home. You're on the road against Illinois the week after that. You're at home against Iowa, which should be a challenge. Um, and then, as I mentioned, after that, you get uh, UMass and or the, oh, no, bye and then UMass. Right. So it's just, you know, you, you have some time here to figure these things out. I'm not discarding the Illinois game or the Iowa game. Those will be difficult. But you at least have this game against West Virginia to look back on the tape. You have the Delaware game to look back on. And you can really explore some things against Delaware. Here's one thing that 
worried me, and this is something as a Penn State fan has worried me for years, uh, is the kicking game. Wow. So Sanders Sahadak came out, uh, was the primary place kicker, 0 for 2. Uh, Alex Falcons uh, transfer comes in, does just fine, uh, does mop-up duty, so to speak. Gabriel and Wosu kicking the ball into the freaking stands just about every time on kickoff, so you don't have any concerns necessarily about that. Punt game looked fine. But it's been something for years under the James Franklin era where you've seen guys that are, you know, cross-trained, where they're both, you know, place kickers and they're also punters, and it's some guys doing the same job at the same time. And it's just it's been a minute since that kicker that it's like, man, we don't have to worry. And and I I, I'm reminded of Kevin Kelly looking back there at that orange blood. That and we all felt pretty good about Kevin Kelly once upon a time. That game, not so much, but (laughs) eventually Uh, he got the job done. But it just this is something that continues to be a problem and, and and kickers don't grow on trees. This is a very difficult position to recruit. You know that very well. hundred percent. I mean, kickers are sometimes an anomaly, especially when you put the red light on them, right? Like this prime time, you know, night game kicking at Penn state. There's a lot of pressure. And sometimes when we talk about just, I'm not giving excuses, but the win in Beaver stadium is a little different. Just like at Heinz field. Um, again, I don't know if that's a reason for, Miss kicks because I don't think those were kicks that needed to that should be missed uh, at this level. Um, but at the same time, I have to figure that out. I mean, like, I mean, it, it, it's a it's an interesting dynamic because, like, since I've been here, when I was here, you know, like the punters was always kind of on point. Yes, whether it's just like for a while now, like a hundred percent. Like, I mean, it's with like the field goal situation, whether it's a cross train mm-hmm. thing or not finding the kicker early enough kickers is like between the ears you know i mean so sometimes you just gotta find those guys that are wired a little different and and franklin has said that this has been a true competition at that position he's been very happy with just about all of the kickers it sounds like so it's a it's a small thing until it isn't no i, I think today is two field goals that's I mean, not small yeah again, when, we, when you when you line up a season with expectations you're 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 not just saying like, hey, how is this against the top 25? Like, is this going to get us deep into the playoffs and, or get us to the playoffs? And miss field goals won't, right? Like leaky, leaky runs, like those leaky runs against the Michigan or Ohio State, like they won't let off and they will do that until you stop it. So those are the type of things that I think, I'm not saying that they're planning ahead, but I, everyone's aware of the expectations of what we're up against. And again, the goal is to be the best in November. And I I don't want to jump ahead either, but I'm I'm about to. <laughs> you talked about the leaky run defense. My brain immediately went to another team that wears navy blue and yellow, and I'm like, this this is this could be a real problem in a number of months with Michigan. Sometimes a little bloods in the water, but you got to fix it. And that's the thing about football; it's a game of matchups. And like when there's matchups that are, are that can be exploited, it's up to this coaching staff to figure it out. And I think even some of the adjustments that were made, they started bringing some more pressures in the second quarter, third quarter. And uh, I mean, based on the outcome, slowed it up. But with that being said, an inferior talented team have the probably have the advantage on the defensive line versus their offensive line. So with that moving forward, just making sure guys need to do and understand how to play even those RPOs, right? Because I think it's a different a different attack when someone's just running straight at you and how those how that offense might attack you. So week one, I, I say leaky defense, but again, it's 
based on the expectations of what we were supposed to do against West Virginia. Of course. So you clear West Virginia, 1-0 mentality. You're looking forward to Delaware and how the rest of the season goes. Based on what the expectations were coming into this game, 110,747 fans filled Beaver Stadium. The expectations couldn't be any higher. You and I were both in the tailgate fields, in the stadium. Like It was, it was palpable. What, what, what's your overall feeling going away from this game? Because I, personally, I'm like, it felt good, but part of me is kind of like, I feel like there's more. There's, I feel like there's a better team within Penn State still to be discovered. I completely agree, and I think that's a good thing, right? I think they're, they're not hitting on all cylinders, but you see the potential for what all cylinders look like. I love that first drive that we came out where it's like, Brian, every clip, everyone's holding their breath for Case Run Allen. Then it's a play action pass, and it's a big touchdown where the quarterback's moving and doing a lot of different things. But with that being said, like you see different areas of growth, whether it's continuing to run the ball, whether it's different pass things, uh, getting different receivers involved. Um, so with that being said, you feel you feel good about the W, but I definitely agree that there's a better team that exists within Penn State. But that's always the case um, in a 14 week season. And, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> that's what you want. That's you know? not bad. That's yeah. Like, I think if they come out and win 45 nothing, like, who knows? Maybe it's like, all right, we don't need to work on what we need to work on or X, Y, and Z, and you continue to grow. But, like, having points of emphasis that you can continue to get better on that are clear and definitive, I think it makes the goal that more laser-focused or that much laser-clear. And, and listen, credit to West Virginia. Their front seven played better than, I think, we expected than many expected their they defensive line they was active. Uh, their linebackers were active. Their secondary was about what we expected, but they certainly put Aller in some situations where he had to think as opposed to react. And that's just the steady progression of any athlete is just getting to the point where you're not thinking and you're just playing. Right. Right. That's what you want to do. I mean, that's how you slow the game down, right? Where your gifts can actually shine through. And I think there was moments where we saw the gifts of all the, talent at Penn State had but then like you said kudos to West Virginia I think they did play above the level of where I thought they were going to play agree and like you said with that also being said Penn State didn't play I think the to where their potential can be but they showed a lot of what's in the tank Mm -hmm. uh very encouraging altogether so uh I, I I feel like I I'm a I can be a pessimist. <laughs> so I just think it's needed in the sense of like when we're talking about where we're going. Yes. Yes. Um, so it, it feels good. Penn State gets a 38 to 15 win to open up the season against West Virginia. Uh, let us know how you guys feel about this game. Get in the comment section on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, rate us. And for those of you that may or may not have happened to have enjoyed a state IPA or two or three or four while you're enjoying the game this past weekend, uh, feel free to hit us up on social media. We're very excited about how excited you guys are uh, about the beer. And uh, we're looking forward to the Delaware game this coming week. So and thank you. To you. Thank you for having me in this spectacular abode you have here. I appreciate it. Appreciate you <laughs> coming over. We are, you know. <laughs> thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we're looking ahead to Penn State versus Delaware next week. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.